Welcome back to the Teen Challenger Southern California podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about a 24-7 prayer and help referral line that Teen Challenger Southern California just launched. No matter what your need is, if you're anxious or worried or stressed, you can call anytime, any day, and a Teen Challenge staff member is there to pray with you. The number is 888-520-0620. Once again, that number is 888-520-0620. We're so glad that you've chosen our podcast today. We know that there's thousands of podcasts that you could be listening to, and you've chosen to listen to ours, and we thank you for that. Up next in this series are the brand new sessions, fresh off the press from our very first Spiritual Emphasis Online. Normally, this is an event that Teen Challenger Southern California hosts yearly at our headquarters in Riverside, where all of our staff and students gather under a tent for three or four days of powerful worship and teaching. But because of what's going on in our world right now, we decided to take the event online and make it a completely virtual event. And what a week it was. We invited the Teen Challenge Centers from around the globe to participate with us. And it was just such a spirit-filled, powerful, life-changing week. We had messages from Don Wilkerson, Jim Cimbala, Nikki Cruz, Gary Wilkerson, and many, many more. Lives were changed forever. On today's episode, we've got someone who's been around the ministry of Teen Challenge for many, many years. He was also a personal friend of David Wilkerson. Today, we're blessed to have Pastor Jim Cimbala. He's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I'm so glad he's joining us for today's episode. As you listen to these sessions, our prayer is that you would sense God's presence, that you would hear his voice. And most of all, we hope that you're encouraged in the Lord today through these podcasts. Remember to subscribe today to our podcast if you haven't already done it. Be encouraged today. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jim Cimbala. I pastor the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City, and I'm so uh, privileged to be a part of this Teen Challenge conference my dear friend, Ron Brown, who has been such a blessing to my wife and I, Carol, and his wife, Demetra, and um, to our church also. So we're so happy now that I can try to give back and, and be an encouragement. Um, I want to talk about the God who is Lord of all, Jesus who is Lord of all, who gives us and anoints us and fills us with the Holy Spirit. Now there is a huge topic. He gives us, anoints us, sends to us, especially focused on those who are working for him, who are called into ministry, but for all of us, because we're all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are to depend on the gift that he promised and has given, which is, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, it's interesting in the Bible, it's the promise of the Father that Jesus said at the end of his sojourn here on earth. I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. Yet in another place, it says, you know, John the Baptist talked about Jesus. I baptize with water, but the one who comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the Father and the Son are both involved in sending the Spirit of God, who is the one who carries out now on earth the purposes of God. The Father sent the Son. 2,000 years ago, he appeared. He did his ministry. He paid for the penalty for our sins with his own blood on the cross of Calvary. 
He rose from the dead three days later. He ascended to heaven about 40 days later after talking to the disciples off and on. Now, the Father sent the Son, and the Son said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and it's better for you that I go and I send the Spirit. And there's not too many people who, if they had the choice of a physical Jesus who they could see, and a Holy Spirit invisible that they can't see, that they would choose, no, I'll, I'll go with the Holy Spirit. No, no I, I want to walk with Jesus like Peter did and James and John. But the truth is, as Jesus pointed out, it's better for you that I go. Why? Because Jesus couldn't get inside of them. He was in a physical body. And even when he was raised from the dead, he was in a glorified body. And yes, he ate with them and he talked to them. But their problem, like all of our problems, is inside. And he said, you know, I've been with you, but he will be inside of you. And that's the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. As Samuel Chadwick, the Methodist preacher, said, the Christianity is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. And come on, brothers and sisters, we got to really focus in on that and believe that and receive it. Unless the Holy Spirit's working daily in our lives, what are we going to accomplish when he is God on earth? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not coming back until he comes back. So now the Holy Spirit has been put in charge of the church that Jesus is building. He is called the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. He's in charge of foreign missions. He's in charge of everything. Whatever our ministries are doing, committees aren't supposed to rule them. No board is somewhere, no executive board somewhere is supposed to make, be making decisions to govern the ministry. The ministry belongs to Jesus. He's the one who died on the cross. How can we give directives to someone who's in charge of everything? And he put the Holy Spirit in charge. Boards and all of those things have their place, but they're supposed to be searching and waiting for the revelation of God's will through the Spirit so they'll know what to do. No one's in charge but Jesus through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things that the Holy Spirit does, which I pray will apply to uh, uh, our lives. I want to read a passage here from uh, Acts 13, a turning point in the New Testament. The Bible tells us in Acts 13, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, which means black, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, that's Saul of Tarsus, as in the one who was persecuting the church and laying waste to the Christian population. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said, like Jesus said when he was on earth, now we have the Holy Spirit said. I wonder how many of us actually believe that the Holy Spirit can still say things. Notice this is not new scriptural doctrinal truth. This is a directional word from the Holy Spirit. Now, how did he speak? Was it through, probably in that public setting, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? However it came to them, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, just two, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. That's the island in the Mediterranean. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John, that's John Mark, was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer. Uh-oh. A Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, the Roman official Sergius Paulus, who was in charge of that area of the Roman Empire. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Hello? Isn't that beautiful? They're not forcing their way in. A door is open. Sergius Paulus says, come and tell me more about this Jesus. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the New American Standard has in the margin, just then filled with the Holy Spirit. One other translation says, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now that the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun, immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul, that's Sergius Paulus, saw what had happened, he believed. For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you what he wants to do for us. Jesus is Lord, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to carry out what the Lord wants us to do. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to start churches and new works. I didn't read to you in the chapter earlier where the church at Antioch was and where and how it was founded. This is a turning point in the New Testament. Starting with this story, the centerpiece now, the focus, almost exclusively, is not Jerusalem and Peter and the original apostles. No, it's the church at Antioch, the church at Antioch in Syria. And it's going to now follow, Luke is going to write about Paul's travels and the founding of churches. Through Paul, we now have Paul as the focus, modeling uh, being a minister for Jesus Christ for us. How did that church begin? Listen how it began. Everyone was scattered after the uh, killing of Stephen, uh, the deacon who was mightily used by God. And every place they went, they, they spread the word of God. The disciples, not the clergy, not people with... PhDs, doctorates in divinity, just regular folk filled with God. They were sharing Jesus. They were proclaiming him, not in preaching at a pulpit, but conversationally. That's how the church grew. Sheep reproduced sheep. Certain men from Cyprus and Cyrene, that island, and then part of Africa, Cyrene, 
They went to Antioch, it says in the chapter before, sharing the word of God, not just to Jewish people, but to Jews and Greeks, i.e. Gentiles. And it says the hand of the Lord was with them, and multitudes turned to the Lord as they shared the good news. And a great number of people gathered, and a church formed. By who? Who is the superstar? Who is the, the mega church pastor? Doesn't even give the name because it's not important. Ministers go, ministers come, then they go. They're not important. Jesus is the only superstar in Christianity. Doesn't even give the name or how they did it or when they sang or what kind of choruses they did. What does that matter if the hand of the Lord is not with you? Now, what does the hand of the Lord with you mean? It means hand speaks of power. The power of the Holy Spirit, i.e., the hand of the Lord, was with these unnamed men. And boom, there was fruit. If we want to see fruit in the ministry God has given us, we need the hand of the Lord with us. Do I get an amen? Come on, a little louder out there, Teen Challenge Land. We need to see God's hand with us in power that bears fruit. It doesn't matter if you don't have oratorical skills or you don't understand every mystery in the book of Revelation. The main question is, are you filled with the love of God? Are you preaching the good news? And is the power of the Holy Spirit helping you do the work? So be it for all of us. So now the church forms there, and we know that Barnabas and Saul uh, of Tarsus end up there for about a year with the church there, that new church. Barnabas had been sent by the, from the church at Jerusalem. He went and found Paul, Saul, I should say, and new convert, fairly new, and brought him to that church. And they're all there ministering to the Lord. Acts 13, turning point now. And as they're waiting on the Lord, the same Holy Spirit who helps us expand the kingdom and start churches now gives direction. As they're waiting on the Lord, the Spirit says, Oh, for faith in all of our hearts that we can still believe the Spirit can still speak to us. See, in the, in the, in the charismatic movement, there unfortunately have been not just good things, but a lot of excesses. And people imitate the Holy Spirit. And they claim to be speaking in the name of the Holy Spirit and it, it, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just them. Sometimes they actually do it to get money. Run. Look for the exit sign and run. The Holy Ghost told me 50 of you are supposed to give $1,000. Stop. If it's the Holy Spirit gave you that, why didn't he give you the names? So that we won't have to wait around. No, that's... Um, that's what the Satan uses to turn us away from trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fanaticism makes people reject because they know their Bible and go the other side. No Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate me, Barnabas, that great encourager, and Saul of Tarsus to the work that I've called them to do. And then the Bible says, obviously, some new direction was going to come here. You know, we need the Holy Spirit to give us directions. Otherwise, stay where you are until God directs you to go elsewhere. Don't be going every whim and fancy that we get. Oh, I like it over there. I saw that place. I like it over there. And, uh, and then we end up just bouncing around. 
Stay where God planted you until the Holy Spirit says, move. Then we move. And they moved. Notice, sent out by the Holy Spirit, but then it says, sent out by the church. The church laid hands on them and sent them out. But then it says they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. So who were they sent out by? The Holy Spirit or the church? This is important. They were sent out by the church. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. But the way you know the Holy Spirit is sending you is the confirmation of members of the body of Christ. So they give the yea and amen. In the mouths of two or three, let everything be established. Otherwise, you end up being one of these people running around. We got about 10,000 of them in New York City. The Lord told them this. The Lord told them that. And they disrupt meetings. And they're just a nuisance. And you say to them, dude, so who, who oversees you? Who told you to do what you're doing? No one. Jesus talks directly to me. There's 10,000 of those in New York. They have a direct hotline to God, but no confirmation from anyone. Don't ever do that. God has given us the safeguard of the church of Christ where we can know it's in my heart and now it's being confirmed. So if anyone were to stop them on their journey, they could have said, we're sent out by the church at Antioch. We're not just two guys on a fling. So they go out, sent by the Holy Spirit. He empowers ministry that makes us effective. We don't want to be ineffective. We want to bear fruit. Only the Holy Spirit makes us effective. Otherwise, we're just beating our gums. And you can put a tear in your voice and you can scream. It doesn't mean anything unless the Holy Spirit is helping us to be effective. Number two, he gives us directional signals and GPS of where we should go under the plan of God for our lives. So they take off and they end up in the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean. And they go basically, stop at one place and then they go and end up in Paphos, which is the seat of the Roman governor there, the proconsul. So they've been sent out by the Holy Spirit and now a beautiful things happens that the Holy Spirit does. They get an open door. We need to pray more. Holy Spirit, open doors for ministry. That's part of the battle and the warfare of prayer that God uh, calls us to. What's an open door? An open door is when Sergius Paulus says, Hey guys, I want to know more about Jesus. Hello, how did that happen? God was working. He gives open doors. Paul writes in one of his letters, I'm staying here in Ephesus because a wide door of ministry has been opened for me. Who opened those doors? God does. We've got to be sensitive to that. Because Paul stayed there and ministered. Why? Because he saw a sign from God. There was an open door. An opportunity that just presents itself. So be, be aware of that. Be sensitive to that. All of us. So now, oh yes, this is what happens when there's open doors. Every open door God gives you, there will be opposition. And they get this invitation from Sergius Paulus and this witch, this brujo named Bar-Jesus, Elimus, is trying to close the door. See, this is what ministry is about. Every day, if you're working for Jesus, it's your 
praying, you're working, he's helping us. There are open doors that come, but every time there's an open door, there's opposition, there's an enemy. So they're trying to reason with Sergius Paulus, tell me more. And I can see him just leaning behind Sergius Paulus and, you know, they're just talking smack. They don't believe this. This is not true. This goes against the Roman religion with many gods. These guys are troublemakers. And they're trying, oh, they're trying to walk through the open door. How many times has that happened to my wife and I and the leadership of the Brooklyn Tavern? I got an open door, an opportunity, and then an attack. You know, my wife has won six Grammy Awards with her choir. She's done 30 albums. We were just talking about it the other day. Every time she prays, gets the choir praying, picking the music to try to be a blessing, there is an attack on her personally in the choir. Something goes sideways just to discourage and distract her from what God has called her to do. This open door of making music that's listened to and sung around the world and around this country. So remember, we pray for open doors. The Spirit is the Spirit of open doors. But with the open door, don't be shocked like, oh no, the devil's attacking me. What did you think would happen? Are we surprised? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, powers. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, i.e., the Holy Spirit's power. I know when I first went in the ministry, I, I didn't even understand that. That for every time you do something for God, there's going to be pushback. You know, it's like a boxer. You know, your, your first fight. And the, your corner sets you out to the ring. And you come out there and you're ready to fight. And you're a little tentative. And this guy comes out, just left hooks, right crosses, jabbing. And you run back to, the, to your corner and you go, he, he's trying to hurt me. Hey, dude, what did you think? You're in a boxing match. He doesn't want to bake cookies with you. He wants to take your head off. And that's what we're involved in. The Holy Spirit gives us open doors, and then there's opposition. But here's the end of my little story today. The Holy Spirit not only makes us effective as ministers, the Holy Spirit not only gives us directional signals and the leadings and promptings of where to go and what to do, but he also is the Holy Spirit who opens doors for ministry so Christ can be glorified. But when the enemy comes, the Holy Spirit always shows us what to do. I don't care how overwhelming the problem is. If we'll just wait and listen and be sensitive, he will show us what to do. Sometimes it's immediate response. Sometimes he gives us the strategy. But there always is an answer. The Holy Spirit never sends us to do something and says, lots of luck, guy. You know, try, try your hardest. And, and then come back and we'll talk. Never. He is there with us. And this is quite dramatic, isn't it? Paul, now he names, his name changes from Saul to Paul, right here. Saul, who is also called Paul, just then filled and coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what experience you and I had 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 months ago. We need every day fresh fillings and empowerments and new control by the Holy Spirit of our lives. You see, Elymas was controlled by Satan. 
Well, how in the world could we overcome that unless Paul was overcome by greater is he that's in us? So the Holy Spirit now controls Paul. And catch this. He says, you son of the devil. Obviously, Paul was not in the school of user-friendly, seeker-sensitive. You're not supposed to talk to folks like that. Paul knew what God wanted to be said. And sometimes the Holy Spirit brings us not to encouragement and comfort, but to correction and even rebuke. You are full of all kinds of evil and mischief. But now how about this? A mist is going to come over you. You're going to be blind. And you're not going to be able to see the light of the sun. Now where did he get that? God never gives the power for us to make people blind whenever we'd like. Otherwise... Talk to pastors. There'd be a lot of blind folk walking around in church. There'd be a lot of people just, where do I go? No, that's not the way we handle nuisance problems and people who are hard to work with. No. He saw that God was going to do that. When the, when the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us, we have insight into what God is going to do. It's a prophetic word. He prophesied the thing because he knew God was going to do it. And there, sure enough, Elymas is like, whoa, I can't, help me, give me a hand here, I got to get out of here. And then the Bible says, and Sergius Paulus, he then believed. No kidding he believed. He just saw the gospel in action, not in word only, but in power. For the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink. It's about what God can do in and through us. Our gospel came to you, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1. Our gospel came to you not in word only. We weren't clever communicators with a joke and, and like clever speak and a clever speech and a fog machine and, you know, camels and guns and whistles and all that. No, our gospel came to you not in word only, but in power in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Come on, that's what we need. Men, women, listening to me. Do we not need Jesus is Lord of all? He is the one who fills us, baptizes us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And whatever you need today, the Holy Spirit is the one who will provide it. Can we pray together? Lord, I thank you that I could talk to these important people who are doing important work for you. Help them to see the significance of what they're doing, that heaven's eyes are not on the stock market or the White House or the sports world or Wall Street, but the eyes of heaven are upon the work of Jesus Christ on earth, even his church and those who labor in it. Give us new faith and stir us up, God, to trust in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for baptizing us not in water, but, and we thank you for water baptism, but in the power and fire of the Holy Spirit. Help us to burn for you. Help me, God, to burn for you. Help my words to be, my message, not in word only, but let there be a witness of your power, Lord, upon what we do. Direct us. Empower us. Make us fruitful. Open doors for us, God. All over the earth for Teen Challenge, open doors. And always show us what to how to respond when the enemy comes in like a flood. I know you'll do that, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
God bless you all. Thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every week. God bless you today.